You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's drive time now. Welcome to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians radio network. Tribe Talk is brought to you by Cleveland Clinic. Access the number one care in Ohio anytime, anywhere. By Subway, the official training restaurant of the Cleveland Indians. By KeyBank, the banking home of the Cleveland Indians. Welcome to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this week from Comerica Park in Detroit where the Indians are taking on the Detroit Tigers in a four-game weekend series. What a week in review it was, and that's what we'll get to coming out of our first break, and it was highlighted by two doubleheader sweeps. Swung and blasted to deep right. Down the line it goes. It is gone. A two-run home run inside the foul pole and right for Jan Gomes. And the Indians have a rout. One of the Indians' outstanding starting pitchers, Carlos Carrasco, will stop by and talk about the role that he's been on lately. You know, I think everyone decided to get in together. Uh, different, the starting pitcher too, the bullpen. Everyone started, you know, started getting together. That's nice to see that. Also on this week's show, Tribe Reliever, Nick Goody talks about how the devastation in Texas due to Hurricane Harvey hits close to home for him. And we get the inside scoop on what goes on in the Indians' video review booth with video replay coordinator Mike Barnett. Usually we have about uh, 12, sometimes 15 angles that we can pull. And the thing that's really good is all the angles are synced up at the same time. That's all coming up as Tribe Talk gets rolling on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Comerica Park in Detroit this weekend. The Indians taking on the Tigers in a four-game series. It's off to a great start. Indians swept a day-night doubleheader on Friday. And that is part of our Week in Review. We take you back to the start of the road trip on Monday at Yankee Stadium in New York. Corey Kluber on the mound for the Tribe, and the Indians struck early against Yankees ace Luis Severino. Jose Ramirez coming up big in the first inning. The payoff swung on this, has hit a ton to deep right center, and it is gone. Jose Ramirez with a solo homer to right center, his 19th. And he took that 3-2 pitch and hammered it out of here to right center. So the Indians have drawn first blood in this three-game series. One-nothing tribe on a two-out, no doubt about it, blast to right center by Jose Ramirez, who now has 19 homers and 61 RBIs. 
The Yankees responded, and they took a 2-1 to one lead until the sixth inning. That's when Jose did it again. The pitch. Swung and blasted. Deep right field. Way up and out of here into the second deck. Jose Ramirez, two. New York, two. Boy, did he put a charge into that baby. A second deck homer to right by Jose Ramirez to tie this game at two. And he now has 20 bombs on the year. And the Tribe reclaimed the lead in the seventh thanks to the thunder of Carlos Santana. Santana with a drive, deep to right. There she goes into the second deck. A laser off the bat of Santana. And the Indians have a 3-2 lead in the seventh. They have three hits tonight. They have three solo homers. A second decker to right on a bullet off the bat of Santana. Indians added one more in the seventh inning on a wild pitch to make it a 4-2 ball game. Then it was back to the long ball in the eighth inning. The payoff. Swung and blasted to left. There goes another deep drive. Gone. Or is it? Yes, it's gone. It came back onto the field but signaled as a home run. Jackson stopped at second. Now he's being told you can keep coming. And the Indians lead it 5-2. to two. Jackson thought it was a double. The Indians hit their fourth solo homer tonight. Number six for Austin Jackson. And the Indians weren't done yet. In the ninth, Bradley Zimmer added some insurance. Here is the set in the pitch. A swing and a line shot to center field. It's a base hit. It'll get down and get by everybody and go to the wall in center. That'll score Santana from first. And stopping at second with an RBI double is Bradley Zimmer. Six to two Indians. That made a winner out of Corey Kluber, and the Indians started the road trip in style. Too much rain on Tuesday, no baseball in New York. That means a doubleheader on Wednesday at Yankee Stadium. And in game one, once again, it was the Indians grabbing the lead in the first inning, this time with a little help from the Yankees. Infield back to pitch. And it gets away from Sanchez. Here comes Lindor. And the Indians have a one nothing lead. And Gary Sanchez continues to botch pitches. My goodness. Sanchez leads the major leagues with 12 passed balls. Coming into this game, you can make it 13. Then it was Yandy Diaz continuing to make New York pay for an early mistake. The next pitch. Swung on ground ball. Base hit into center field. That'll score Ramirez. And the Indians have a 2-0 lead. So Edwin Encarnacion getting game one off. And the new cleanup hitter, Yandy Diaz, bangs an RBI single to center. And the Indians now have a 2-0 lead. Six RBIs on the season for Diaz. And that pass ball comes into play because Ramirez went to second on it and scores from second on the base hit. That would be it for the Indians' offense in game one, but thanks to Trevor Bauer and the bullpen, two runs was plenty. Curveball swung on a one-hop smash, gobbled up in second by Ramirez. What a great job he did taking that tough hop and really kind of smothering it in his midsection. And Trevor Bauer has given the Indians six innings and only allowed a run. That's impressive with some of the command issues he's had today. 
So a 2-1 to one Tribe victory. On to Game 2. Plenty of offense for the Tribe this time around, starting in the first inning with Edwin Encarnacion. Swung on, bullet, headed to center, base hit. Lindor's headed for home. Stopping at second, now going to third. The ball is cut off and scampering to third safely as Jackson without a throw. And the Indians take a one nothing lead. Encarnacion with a BB to center, his 77th RBI. Lindor was able to score easily from second base. Jackson just kept going and got to third. Still in the first, the Indians added to the lead thanks to Carlos Santana. Here's the set by Montgomery in the 1-1 pitch. Swung on, grounded right over the bag. It hit the bag. Ricochets over the top of the bag, down the left field line. In to score is Jackson, sliding into second with an RBI double is Santana. Encarnacion will stop at third. And the Indians have a 2-0 lead. And then Yanni Diaz capped off a big first inning for the Tribe. Now the 2-1 pitch. Swung on, ground ball, base hit in the hole and into left field. That'll score Encarnacion. Santana being waved home. Throw to the plate is cut off. In sliding is Santana, and Diaz has delivered again. A two-run base hit to left. The Indians lead 4 to nothing, And Yandy Diaz... Had a RBI single in game one and a two-run single in game two, both in the first inning. He might be a hard guy to get out of that lineup. It was 4-1 to one Indians in the fifth inning when Edwin Encarnacion stepped in. Here's the 1-2. Swung on, and there's a high fly ball to left. Gardner goes back with a courtesy look. This one's in the seats. Home run, Encarnacion. One of his classic moonshots way up there, and Edwin Encarnacion makes it 5-1 to one Tribe. Two more long balls for the Indians. First in the seventh, it was Jan Gomes. Now the 0-1 pitch. Swung on, blasted to deep right. Down the line it goes. It is gone. A two-run home run inside the foul pole and right for Jan Gomes. It's 8-1 to one Indians here in the 7th. Gomes hits his 10th home run, giving him 46 RBIs. And the Indians have a rout. And they are on their way to a doubleheader sweep. And then in the 8th inning, Francisco Lindor. Down the wind in the pitch to Lindor. It's swung on and hammered. High and deep to left field and gone. Frankie Lindor hits his 25th. Ten of them right-handed. A moonshot in the Bronx. All part of a 9-4 Tribe win, wrapping up a doubleheader sweep in New York. Off day Thursday, finally after 23 straight days of scheduled baseball for the Indians. And that got them ready for a day-night doubleheader in Detroit against the Tigers on Friday. In the opener... Well, it was tight throughout. The Indians got on the board first in the fourth inning, thanks to Gio Urshela. Right-handed hitter, the lefty boy from the stretch delivers. Swung on, line drive to right, and that'll get down for a base hit. Rounding third, heading for home is Geyer. He'll score. And Urshela, with an RBI single, puts the Indians in front. one nothing. Advancing to third on the play is Gomes. And Gio Urshela has his ninth run driven in on the season. 
The Tigers tied things up at one, but not for long, thanks to Edwin Encarnacion in the sixth. The pitch. Swung on, blasted. Deep left field. Gone. Edwin Encarnacion hits number 32. And the Indians have taken a 2-1 to lead here in the sixth. A bomb to left for Edwin Encarnacion. And his 32 home runs now puts him seventh in the American League in long balls. And he's hitting some big ones here lately. And much like the rest of the Indians starting pitching rotation lately, Carlos Carrasco was throwing a gem. Carrasco's ready in the 0-1 pitch. Swung on soft liner up the middle. Caught by Lindor in shallow center. The Indian shortstop going to his left and into shallow center to grab it. And Carrasco has given the Indians seven more dominant innings here today at Comerica Park. Now the Tigers tied it up in the eighth inning, so it was on to the ninth with the game even at two runs apiece when Jay Bruce was called on to pinch hit. Swung on, fly ball, headed to deep right center. Long run for the Tigers, and this ball is going to short hop the wall. Bruce hits second. He's making the turn. He's on his way to third. He is in sliding with a triple. Jay Bruce has just tripled for the first time all year. And that set the table for Francisco Lindor, and he delivered again. Infield in the pitch. Lindor with a line drive, base hit, center field. He nearly decapitated Shane Green. The Indians take a 3-2 lead, and Frankie Lindor blisters a single to center to drive in Jay Bruce. Lindor gets RBI number 67, and the Indians are back on top, 3-2 here in the ninth inning. In the bottom of the ninth, Cody Allen would load the bases with two outs before giving way to Joe Smith, who came on to face Miguel Cabrera in the toughest of situations. Three to two Indians, two down in the Tiger ninth. Cabrera 0 for 4. Smith from the set, the sidewinding right-handers pitch. Swung on line to short, caught by Lindor! Ball game! Well, Cabrera can't hit it any harder. If it's not Ed Lindor, the Tigers win. But the Indians survive in game one on a bases-loaded bullet out to the shortstop Frankie Lindor, who in essence won the game for the Indians with a ninth-inning RBI single after the pinch-hit triple by Jay Bruce. Well, eight in a row for the Indians, and it wasn't easy. So the Indians won the opener 3-2. to two. Much easier in the nightcap as they were looking for win number nine in a row. And the trend of Indians getting the lead in the first continued in game two. The pitch swing and a liner toward the gap in right center. On the run is Presley. Can't make the catch. Ball gets down, goes to the wall. That'll clear the bases. Scoring are Encarnacion and Chisinau. And Urshela's big day continues. A two-run gapper to right center. The double puts the tribe on top, two to nothing. And homegrown product, Giovanni Urshela, with a huge two-out, two-run double to right center. Oh, what a day he is having. In the third inning, it was more from Giovanni Urshela, this time on the defensive side. Clevenger's ready, and the payoff pitch. Kinsler 
Grounds one toward the hole at short. Backhand by Urshela. Off balance. Long throw. Got him at first. What a play by a third baseman playing short. Oh, he looked like Frankie Lindor on that baby. Urshela going to the hole or toward third with a backhand and a long off balance throw on the mark. Well, when you wonder about the Indians' surge and how did it all come together, we've talked about how great the starting pitching has been, but it goes hand-in-hand with as good a defense as there is in the American League. That's right, Urshela playing shortstop, making a great play. In the fourth inning, the Indians had two men on for hot-hitting Roberto Perez. Here's the pitch. Swung on, and it's a looper to shallow left center. It falls in for a base hit. Encarnacion scores. Right behind him is Santana, and Roberto Perez comes through again. A two-run single, and the Indians lead it 4-0. Now, Perez was down in the count 0-2 quickly. Battled back to run the count full, and then he fought off a pitch. He didn't get good wood on it, but just enough. A base hit, now 28 runs driven in for Perez, and more impressively, 11 RBI in his last seven games. And then in the sixth inning, as Hammy likes to say, the Indians removed all doubt. Now the 1-1. Swung on, line drive, base hit, center field. And Canacion will be waved home. It's a 10-0 Tribe lead. Santana gets his 71st RBI. How do you spell relief? Not F-E-R-R-E-L-L. Jeff Farrell is getting tattooed by the Indians. Ten runs more than enough on this night as Mike Clevenger was on the mound and looking sharp. Swung on, hit high in the air to center, and it'll be six shutout innings for Clevenger again tonight. He's had 95 pitches through six. Clevenger is really starting to look the part, isn't he? Ten-nothing. Indians blasting Detroit after six. And in the ninth inning, Nick Goody was on to finish up the shutout. The pitch swung on line to center. Zimmers there makes the catch. Ball game. And a major league leading 16 shutouts for the Tribe. And they've had their second nine-game win streak of the year. They bury the Tigers in the nightcap by a final score of 10 to nothing. So a 10-0 win for the Tribe. Stay with us. We'll have more of Tribe Talk after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Comerica Park in Detroit where the Indians are taking on the Tigers this weekend. One of the keys for the Tribe during a great stretch of play, a 19-win month in the month of August, has been the work of their starting rotation. 18 of those 19 wins were decisions, wins as far as decisions for the starting staff, which is highly unusual that you would get that many decisions in terms of a winning effort for members of the starting rotation. But that is how good the rotation has been. The earned run average as a team since the start of August is under 2.7. And one of the key contributors has been Carlos Carrasco, who won his final start of the month with a seven-inning shutout performance over the Kansas City Royals on August the 27th. He also pitched very well against the Tigers in game one of the day-night doubleheader on Friday afternoon here in Detroit. 
For Carrasco, it's been a solid season. 13 wins, ERA under four, and when he throws like he did in his last two starts, he says there's a couple of reasons why he can have that good command and get the good results. I think the key was uh, get and roll with everything. Then uh, the key was, I think, uh, before the game, we always uh, talking about what we're going to do. And uh, Gomer, he already knew what we need to do, how, how the way we need to tag those hitters. And we went from there. But uh, I think uh, my four pitches yesterday that was, in, it was uh, working uh, good, any count. Actually, my two-seamer yesterday was good, too. So you go into a game, and I'm sure you're thinking, that's ah, going to be a close game. I have to be at my best. And the team scores 12 runs in the first two innings. How do you approach it after that to make sure you're still sharp? You know what? Uh, on the second inning, when we made nine runs, there was a long inning. Then I went back to talk to Gomer when there was two out, and they said, hey, one nothing. Because... Uh, we are a human being, and sometimes they said, oh, 12 nothing. Okay, just here we go. But uh, I just put it in my mind right away. It's one nothing game, and I just went with my best pitching. Then I know those guys, they're going to they're gonna swing the first pitch, and uh, that's what I saw too. And it kind of helped me a little bit uh, more because uh, those first pitch swing, there was out. Nothing like the hit or double or nothing like that. But I think there was great, you know, to have that mentality, they won nothing, and they just went right away with Gomer. They say, hey, won nothing. And then he told me, okay, and then we went from there. You mentioned Jan Gomes and how he helps you on the mound. It's a grand slam yesterday, part of that nine-run inning. Nice to see for him at the plate. It's nice to see him and everyone. You know, I think everyone, they start getting together, uh, different, uh, they, uh, they start in pitching too, the bullpen, everyone start, you know, start getting together that's nice to see that i think we only have like 30 games left or something like that and this is the right time to you know to play hard so we can go now on the postseason and three consecutive shutouts that hasn't happened in 60 years for this team proud to be a part of that you know what yes but uh i think no one think about that i think mary he didn't think about that uh clevinger then myself for the last game, uh, I didn't know we have 18 innings shut up. And uh, actually, I knew that when the game would be done playing and the chicken, Alan say, those Boyo. Guys, yeah, those guys have 34 innings, something like that, maybe runs. Then I knew what? But uh, you know what? Uh, I think it's a part of the game. And I just went over there, pitched, pitched my game. I feel good yesterday. Then I think everything started getting together with me. I know I have some up and downs. Everyone has that. But you know what? From those bad games, so you learn, you learn a lot. Um, my last game, uh, I think Boston. I think I, I learned a lot about that game. I only went, I only made one bad pitch to Nunez, and the guy went up and asked that. I just talked to Mickey. Uh, on the next day, and then he told me, you pitch okay, but uh, I just want you to let you know to learn only one bad pitch, they can make it different. So I work in my bullpen, and I get in, uh, ready for my next start, and that's what I did for my next start. Just think about every pitch that I'm going to throw, if it's good for that hitter. Carlos Carrasco joining us. 
we obviously talk pitching a lot. Earlier in the weekend, maybe some fans saw you at Sam's Club or Giant Eagle doing a great thing for charity. Uh, tell us about your involvement in the Cleveland Food Bank fundraiser and how that got going and then what you did over the weekend to make sure that things were going well. You know what? Uh, I just want to make something clear. You know, I don't want anyone to think about, oh, Carlos, you know, I just want to do it because I know a lot of people need help. And that's what I've been doing with my foundation, too, in Venezuela. So a lot of people need help. Then uh, I knew that on Friday. Then I say, uh, I know it's, uh, it's going to be for people that doesn't have food. Then I just went and buy a lot of food, just try to help those people. Every Those little things, you know, to try to help anyone, I'm going to be there. I think that's uh, really important for us, uh, for the team, too. Uh, they made me feel great, you know, made me feel happy, uh, bring that food. Then I know those people, they're going to have something to eat. All right, Carlos, thanks so much for coming by. Appreciate right. it. Thank you. That's Carlos Carrasco, Indian starting pitcher and a key member of an outstanding starting rotation, the best in the American League for the Cleveland Indians. And Carrasco is 13-6 and six, heading into his next start on Wednesday in Chicago. Stay with us. We'll have more to come after this timeout as Tribe Talk continues from Detroit on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Comerica Park in Detroit where the Indians are taking on the Detroit Tigers this weekend. Well, so much of the focus nationally this week has been the tremendous destruction and flooding caused by Hurricane Harvey down in Texas, specifically in the Houston area and and a lot of the wide-ranging suburbs beyond Houston. And uh, certainly that has impacted many players in Major League Baseball. Of course, the Houston Astros impacted greatly. But so many players either are from that area of Texas or have family in that area. And hitting close to home, Jay Bruce, born and raised in Beaumont, Texas, he along with Cleveland Indians Charities, has started a fund that has performed tremendously contributions from so many folks, and uh, it will make a difference in terms of the relief efforts down in Houston, the work of outfielder Jay Bruce and Cleveland Indians Charities. And uh, just go to Indians.com if you'd like more information on how to donate yourself if you would like to. Nick Goody, Indians relief pitcher, has an aunt who lives in Nederland, Texas, not far from Beaumont, And it was a harrowing night for him Tuesday night as he was trying to stay in contact with his aunt, whose house sustained major flooding. And Nick picks up the situation from there. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously we're dry here, but she's uh, she said her house was flooding, and it was. I sent her a text, asked her how she was doing. I saw that Port Arthur was trending on Twitter, and we've been in contact for the last couple days. And she said everything was fine. And then last night I found out. She sent me a text saying her house was flooded, sent me a picture, and uh, said that she was stuck. And I, that's when I asked her, like, hey, is there anything I can do? And I was like, I, I saw that Port Arthur was training and people were asking for help, so I just kind of sent sent the tweet out um, with her address, trying to get people to help out. And uh, thank God the Cajun Navy came at, like, 3.30 or 4. The water, like, kind of went stagnant, and uh, she ended up, you know, being all right, everybody's good, and um, so I mean, I can't thank those guys enough. Those, those guys are heroes, and I mean, it's unbelievable. So, 
You mentioned the Cajun Navy, and this is a group of guys who have gotten together and, and they have boats, which seems to be the biggest key down there? Yeah, I, I, that's what I'm getting. I mean, I just, like I said, I just found out the other, you know, the other, I guess last night exactly what was going on uh, as far as with them, and you can see the, the guys lining up their trucks with boats, and um, I I don't know too much about it. I just know that she, she sent me a picture of a, of a uh, airboat in her front yard and was like hey this I got this text this morning she was like the Cajun Navy came at 334 in the morning and uh, you know she's like I waited over there in the water and they were I guess tending to an elderly elderly couple across the street and um, my aunt had has obviously a bunch of friends there and she I guess sent them to another family that needed help I guess a little bit more than she did at the time so I don't know. It's, it's going on over there. It's crazy. And you don't really think about it until it affects you personally, I guess. I mean, obviously, it's a, it's a national disaster. But, I mean, as far as hitting home, like, it definitely sucks. And you have a teammate, Jay Bruce, who has uh, gotten together with Cleveland Indians Charities who are doing some great things to raise funds for those in need now in Houston. And what does that mean to you when, when you see something like that going on, not only with, with Jay, but some other teams, too, are, are taking the lead on this? Yeah, so, I mean, I just I, I saw him saw his tweet this morning, and he was asking uh, I saw it, and I did, and I was like, man, I mean, that's awesome. That's unbelievable. And, and, and like I was telling those guys, you know, people don't have to give anything. They're not entitled to give anything, but the way that, you know, obviously that they are and celebrities or anybody, um, it's it's amazing. And Jay, my when he got traded over here, my aunt and uncle both sent me a text. was like, hey, he's a local boy. Like, tell him we said hi, this and that. And, you know, he's loved in the city of Beaumont. And so when I saw that, I mean, he's – Jay Bruce is – from what I've been around, he's – class act great guy and you know, obviously he's going to do anything he can to help and i'll do my best to help as well oh by the way there's baseball game here today how do you balance that with with things that are, are really important back home yeah i mean I, I think they're you know obviously they're going to be all right it's the biggest thing you know you can replace a house you can't replace your family so as long as they're doing all right you know you just you, you kind of have to put that on the back burner and go out and play Nick, hang in there. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. That's Nick Goody, one of many players with uh, distracted focus in terms of uh, trying to stay focused on baseball, but also the much more important aspect of life, and that's what's going on for those down in the Houston, Texas area and that wide-ranging area impacted by Hurricane Harvey. Stay tuned. We'll have more to come as Tribe Talk concludes from Comerica Park after this time out on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Comerica Park in Detroit where the Indians and Tigers are playing a four-game series this weekend. One of the key members of the Indians coaching staff is Mike Barnett, who's the video replay review coordinator. And he's the man who is inside the clubhouse during the game. And when Terry Francona sees a close play that may be subject to replay review, it is Mike Barnett who is inside looking at the different angles and determining whether the Indians should use their review or not. He has a long career in baseball on the coaching end of things, specifically as a hitting coach for several major league teams. So that is certainly in his background. A lifetime in baseball for Mike Barnett. We'll get to some good stuff about 
the year he was on Terry Francona's staff, and Michael Jordan played for that team in the Southern League, Double A, Birmingham, Alabama. You may remember when Jordan retired from basketball, took up baseball for a while. Mike Barnett was his hitting coach, and uh, he'll have some good stories on that as well as some other stories of a lifetime in baseball. But first, the area of replay review. What are the determining factors, and how complicated can that job be under a very short time frame in terms of making a decision? Well, the big thing is you can sit there for four or five days and nothing will happen in the game, and all of a sudden it blows up and you've got six, seven calls that you got to look at in a, in a hurry. And, you know, it all depends on the angles that you get. I mean, some nights you have better angles than others, and it's it's fun to get one overturned and go to our benefit for sure. But, you know, and there's sometimes that you've got to just make a challenge because of the time of the game, a, a scoring play, Uh, things of that nature, and and hopefully they see something in New York that may get the call overturned uh, to go in our favor. So it's it's not an exact science. Um, It's all about the angles you get during the game, and if you get some good ones, and and hopefully, uh, you know, we can make something good happen for our club. But it's it's a great tool. I think it helps the umpires out, and I don't think that they – because it's amazing. On some of these plays that are so close, you really can't tell until you get the super slow motion. Um, and and I think they've embraced it, and I think it's just been a big benefit to the game. Up in the booth, we see uh, similar replays that the fans see, but do, do you get different angles, too, that, that help you make your decision? Yeah, usually we have about uh, 12, sometimes 15 angles that we can pull, and the thing that's really good is all the angles are synced up at the same time, so we can pull any angle and look at it from maybe a high first base look to a left field camera look and they're all synced up so if you put it at the kind of the moment of truth when a guy's getting tagged you start flipping around to these different angles to see if we can definitely see and one thing that we found though in the replay is it's got and there's times that you can kind of surmise that the guy's safer out but you can't definitively tell you can say well you can tell but you can't actually see his hand on the bag and you go he's out but they won't overturn it because it's not definitive. And there's some bang-bang plays that you just go that you can't challenge early in the game because you go, it's too close, there's no way they're going to overturn it. Do you have some help down there? Well, yeah, Scott Atchison's <laughs> down there. He does the advanced scouting on, on opposition hitters. And uh, so we sit there and we talk baseball the whole game. And then the video guys, you know, Frank and, and Dan Cohen and, and Bob Chester, they're, they're always usually down there at home. And one of them is, is here with us on the road. And uh, so it's great to have those guys around. We bounce stuff off each other. And so, yeah, they give me a lot of help. It's great. Mike, we talked about a lifetime in baseball. You go way back with Terry Francona to the days when you were both in the White Sox organization, he getting his start as a manager. In 1994, you're in Birmingham, Alabama, Southern League, and one of your players is Michael Jordan. And we've heard some stories from Tito about that. What was it like from your perspective, especially as someone who knows hitting, trying to help him be as good as he can be coming to the game late. Well, I'll tell you what. The, the thing about Michael was I've never been around anybody with a work ethic like he had. I mean, he would hit probably four to five times a day. People don't remember that, but he got off to a start where he had, I think it was a 13-game hitting streak. And the biggest thing, we made some adjustments coming out of spring training and, and got him a little bit more square on the plate. And I said, from talking to the scouts, they're going to pound you with fastballs in. You know, we got to get you working straight ahead and get your hands to the baseball. And so he was pulling balls through the 5-6 hole and getting some doubles down the line and had a 13-game hitting streak. And every night I'm sitting there going, 
When's it going to happen? Well, it finally happened that they stopped throwing him fastballs, and he's so competitive he was swinging at every breaking ball that came up there. And so that was a transition for him. It really was. But uh, the work that he put in, I, I just can't say enough. I mean, we talk about guys being good teammates and everything like that. He said, you know, that, hey, I'm Michael Jordan, the double-A baseball player. I'm not Michael Jordan, the superstar basketball player. And that's the way he went about it. And he, he was fantastic and, and just great to work with. And we had a lot of fun. With that said, it was still, I imagine, a different kind of season. And, and in what way, if it was? Well, I mean, just the media attention every night was unbelievable. It was fun because we knew that going to the ballpark, we were going to play in front of a full house every night. No matter what city we went into, it was like the traveling circus. And uh, I remember one day we went into uh, uh, Zebulon, North Carolina, and their cage was out basically in the concourse where fans could walk around. So the first night we went in there, everybody knows, and we got our cage time. Well, they opened the gates early. We must have had a thousand people stand around the cage watching them hit so we had to make an adjustment off that the next day and we had to go to the ballpark at like 11 a.m to get our work in so it, it was interesting it was a lot of fun um and it was just it was a joy to go to the ballpark every night especially in the minor leagues it was great for the kids because it was a full house every night and, and great electricity it was a lot of fun and to close things out we'll circle back to this year's club a lot of good things happening of late. You like what you're seeing here as we head down the stretch? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, and that's the one thing that, you know, I think a lot of clubs could have folded with the road trips we had coming up and, and some of the teams that we had on the homestands. And this club has just risen to the occasion and, and really embraced it, and they're having fun. These guys come to the ballpark. I've never been around a club of more resilient athletes and that they all love playing the game. You don't have anybody talking about being tired or anything like that. Guys are, are, are hungry to get to the ballpark, and they love playing baseball, and I think that's the biggest thing. And, and Tito creates an environment that makes these guys enjoy coming to the ballpark, and, and they know, let's win today and let's move on to tomorrow. Barney, thanks so much for coming by. This is fun. You got it, Rosie. I enjoyed it. That's Indians video replay review coordinator Mike Barnett. And that'll do it for this week's edition of Tribe Talk. So great to have you with us as we talk baseball on the radio. Getting deeper into the month of September now as the Indians are trying to nail down an American League Central Division crown. We'll be with you every step of the way as Tribe Talk will return next weekend from back home at Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. The Indians will be taking on the Baltimore Orioles next weekend. So until then, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.